Hi there, and welcome to this week's edition of the Jersey Weekly Podcast, the podcast that is officially in the know. Hi and welcome to another edition of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast, the, pod- the podcast that is now officially in the know. We bring you information four weeks before it actually happens. We told you four weeks ago about uh, Kyle Lafferty probably going to Rangers and lo and behold that came out uh, through the week there. We also had Stephen Clifford on last week telling us about Bali's tackle and sure enough we found out on Thursday that uh, he's, he's quite mean in the tackle there. So it's all happening here at the Jersnet Podcast. We're the place to come and listen to for all the Rangers uh, news and views and all the rest of it. Get started on this week. We've got some interesting topics this week. We'll look at the Aussie Jet game. We'll look at the forthcoming game against Aberdeen. And we'll also have a wee look at the, the statement from Celtic around the ticket allocation stuff and also the fan zone issue that crept up through the week. We'll maybe have a wee look at today's game against Wigan also. Joining me this week, well, we've got two Davids, but we'll call one Pete. Uh, we've got David Thomason, who's known as Pete on the, the Jersnet forums. How are you doing, Pete? Yeah, very good, thank you. How's the weather over there in Germany? Still brilliant, mate. Still, still brilliant. Act. Still had another barbecue today. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that sounds <laughs> great. My, mine, my, I, had an, I had a wee incident with my barbecue today. Uh, it caught fire, so, so that was fun. <laughs> Is it uh, not supposed to do that? Uh, no, like this, no. <laughs> if I'm being honest, no. This was just, this was pretty bad. <laughs> uh, I was, I think I was, if I never got it nipped in the bud when I did, I think it was a, a, a fire brigade effort. But I managed to, I managed to avert that. Uh, also joining us this week is David Fraser. He's not been on this season so far. How are you doing, David? How are you doing, Colin? Not too bad, thanks. I have been on this season, but have you? Well, uh, it, couldn't, it, couldn't, it couldn't have been when I was on. Cause no, I don't, no, we are good self, of course. So it's my debut with your good self this season. Yes, yes. That's, and that's, that's, a, that's the one that counts. We don't bother about Ross. He pulls sickies every week. You know what I mean? He's, the, the boy's a disgrace. Uh, it, although I hear he might be back next week, so I'll, 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 I'll be easy on the stick from. Uh, I heard you were, you were at the game today, David? I was, yeah. yeah. Um, what did you make it? I gave my two halves, as the manager rightly said. Um, first half was a wee bit, um, wee bit hard to, to sit through, if I'm being honest. But the, the second half was was a marked improvement and uh, it was a good good all-round uh, performance and a good three-goal victory. And yet another clean sheet. Yeah, the clean sheet's a big thing with me. I was also quite impressed with Stephen Gerrard's post-match interview. You know, the, the message he was sort of putting across was don't wait till half-time to get a ball for me. You know, just go out and and, and start at a decent sort of level of performance. So I, I think everything about Gerard's sort of start seems good, as you say, loads of clean sheets. I think middle to front still needs tweaked, but I, I think we're getting there. How did how did Big Sadiq look today? Well, I, he looked um, he looked rusty. Um, he's obviously he's a big fella. Uh, he gets about the part well, as you'd imagine, with, with the length of stride that he would have. You know, he covers ground quickly and he's... I think you can basically boil it down. You don't play for a Serie A team unless you're, you're quite handy, Colin. So I think there's there's more to come from him. He didn't score the day despite um, some press reports. It was a, a known goal for uh, Alex Bruce. But he was there and he put himself about and uh, he did. He, he clipped a nice ball inside which you just uh, kind of betrayed signs of, you know, innate quality. And uh, 
I just I'm looking forward to seeing seeing what he's like once he gets up to speed. Aye, I don't think I, I saw one clip on Twitter. He sort of he chested the ball in the in the middle of the park down to someone, and someone clattered him in the back, and he went down in a heap. And then the play goes out left, and they go down the wing, and the cross comes in. And when the cross comes in, Big Sadiq comes from nowhere. He must have sprinted about you know 40, 50 yards to catch up with the play. So I, I think that ties in with what you're saying. I think he's going to be a big, strong, physical type player, and I, I'm quite looking forward to seeing him. Uh, what did you make of Wind? When I was looking at the team, Windass wasn't even in the squad. He seems to have disappeared since he missed those chances in the the earlier round of the, the Europa League. Is do you think that's a sign that he might be on his way? I got got instinct calling. I would say, I probably. I mean, he's linked to West Ham. Am I right in saying that? Um, so, uh, well, I, I know he's, he's, his name's been linked to Aston Villa, West Brom, and uh, curiously enough, West Ham. Um, I I think that um, I think if the right offer comes in, I don't think uh, Stevie and, and Rangers will be too difficult to deal with, with where Josh is concerned. But I, I'm kind of I've changed tack a wee bit with Josh. Um, I, I'm trying to my, my hardest this season to start with a, a clean slate and, and look at the positives rather than, than than look for you know the kind of the shortcomings of some players. And, and Josh has got attributes that I would like to think that that Stevie. Um, can harness as I think I mentioned that in the last podcast that I took part in. So um it probably will be be off, but you never know. It's all speculation. I mean she yeah. didn't really too much in there, I would say. I, I mean I don't know. He seems to have disappeared, as I said, since he had, he had two or three really bad misses. And I just I just I just wonder that maybe he's he's on his way. Right, we'll move on to the, the European win through the week there. Obviously we've got the second leg to come, but an away win in Europe. We've not had that since Sporting Lisbon in 2008, I believe. And we, obviously, we got to the final that year. Pete, what were your thoughts of the, the overall performance uh, on Thursday night there? Well, I've seen a lot worse European uh, ties by better teams than, the, than we've probably got just now. Uh, I thought, really, very strong performance, really. Uh, defensively, good in the middle. Although I felt that the two backs were pretty, yeah, Tavernier was dodgy and Flanagan was uh, was dodgy at first. Although he he came onto a game a bit better. Uh, the the left winger of the left back it was sorry for uh, for I'm going to call them Ozayek. I'm going to get used going again because uh, I don't <laughs> think it's Ozayek. I think it's Ozayek. Um, so I act, right, okay. <laughs> uh, any, anyone that's got worse pronunciations than me, Pete, I'll have that any day. <laughs> the ones I've come up with recently have been crackers. Uh, the, 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 the left back, well, for the, the, the easiness of it, I'm going to call him Bandy Hijik because you had a bandage on his head the whole day. <laughs> so, And they've all got itch after their name, eh? So. <laughs> I hope in Thursday they're less scratching their heads anyway. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, I need to hear a word with Stuart about no getting you back on with some special <laughs> puns and pronunciations. Yeah. Uh, so, David, no, sorry, on you go. Sorry, no, on you go, finish up. No, I was just going to, overall performance, well, I think uh, Koulibaly was, yeah, for me, absolutely brilliant. And that tackle at the end, oh, that was just stunning, wasn't it? But good, good performance. Morelos coming back onto forum. Really, yeah, that that pleases me probably uh, more than anything at the moment. 
because I think if we get him in for him, we'll be a we'll be a far better team. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, the the Koulibaly thing. Stephen Clifford was on last week saying that you know he, he was the one that was impressing and training. I've got to be honest with you. I took something else from his statement. You know, when a guy with a flowery accent starts talking about another man's tackle in a favourable way, you take something else from it. But it turns out he was meaning you know how mean he was uh, on the park and that tackle on Thursday was a uh, was quite impressive. David, coming back to you, what was the main positives you took out? Other than getting through, I mean, obviously, oh, sorry, went all through. Obviously, getting the away win was a big thing, you know. After so many years of, you know, not not having an away win in European football. Other than that, what was the sort of positives that you took from it? Overall, Colin, I thought it was a, a really professional performance. I echo Pete's uh, sentiments there. Um, the thing that struck me was that um, it was almost looked back to the, the Walter Smith era, and that. Everyone seemed to know what they were doing. They seemed committed. They seemed organised. They just seemed up for the up for the battle, for want of a better expression. Um, I agree with what, what, what Pete was saying there at the back. The, the, the two backs didn't exactly cover themselves in glory in the first half. Certainly, obviously, James Tavernier, I think, is the, the manager made mention of in his, his post-match comments that, um, that you know, the strength of the Aussie team was going down his side of the pitch. Barisic, uh, the left back, he's he's a tidy player. Um, I think there's even been, been some comments uh, amongst the Rangers community that it may be worthwhile uh, making an inquiry about him. Uh, certainly looked okay. Um, John Flanagan, again, uh, he, he came out of a game the, the longer the game went on. But I think overall, uh, once the first kind of 20 minutes get past, I think that the, the passing improves. As you guys have said, they made mention of uh, Kula Bali. He gets about the park. He, he dovetailed quite nicely with, with Ryan Jack. And as, uh, as Pete rightly pointed out, Alfie gets his head on a, on a cross. It wasn't an easy one to direct and go because it was behind him. He had to arch his neck a wee bit to, to get it in target. And uh, he seemed to get the, the nonsense out his head for, for the game the other night where he was tangling with with their defenders, but he didn't really seem to react all that much. So I don't know whether the fellas have maybe the other women said, you know, by all means, I'll be aggressive, but channel it in the right manner and, and, and don't get caught up in, you know, kind of, um, you know, kind of a Diego Costa antagonistic kind of mindset on the pitch. You know, there's no need for that. Um, obviously, the day he, he reacted quite badly to a, to a tackle and Daniel Candacius is one of his big mates at the club. And he, in my opinion, he, he did the right thing. But, if he irons out his game, then I think we can we can move forward and hopefully that we we continue the the vein of form that we're in into Thursday night. Pete, obviously Gerard started with two deputants on Thursday. He started Ryan Kent, who's on loan from Liverpool, and obviously uh, Koulibaly, who we spoke about uh, spoke about before. Uh, and Koulibaly, Gerard said after the game, he was majestic. He covered every blade of grass. He won tackles. He broke up the play. This is just his first 90 minutes. Can you imagine what he's going to be like after five or six games? Uh, and on Ryan Kent, Gerard said he's only played two 45-minute games in, in friendlies. He's still got another level to go, but he looked dangerous and the supporters can see what kind of player he's going to be. Certainly, I thought the two of them looked quite impressive on the night. How did you feel about the two deputants? I thought they were very good. Koulibaly, well, I've already sort of uh, singled him out. Uh Good in the tackle, as as uh, Gerard said, covered every blade of the grass. Uh, I thought it was really. I think the first ten minutes he was sort of a wee bit wasn't up to pace, but after the first ten minutes he just uh, got into it everywhere. 
uh, and with Ryan Jack, they seem to have directly a good uh, understanding with each other. Uh, and Kent, I don't think he was that great going forward. I think he, he was try, he tried to beat uh, people on the outside a lot, and he didn't quite make it. When uh, he, he certainly, when he came inside, uh, we obviously got the corner for the goal. He brought the ball. It was a brilliant ball from Katic, by the way, that out, out to him. And he brought it under control quickly and then brought it inside and had a shot at goal, which was deflected for a corner. And then he also ran out to get the ball from the short corner and put it back to Tavernier for the cross. So he obviously had a big part in the game, a big part in that goal. And, and he's, he's covering at the back. I thought running back to cover people, I thought was really good as well. And I think his forward play will improve as he goes on. But I don't really, if the guy's only played two forty-five minutes, then uh, a really great performance, really. Yeah, I've been overly disagree. The one thing I, I got a wee bit frustrated with Ryan Kent is he, there was a more than one occasion he took a touch too many, you know, before getting his shot away or the pass away. Overall, I thought he he caused enough problems on the night. And Kula Bali, well, I, I think we've all been really impressed with him. Yeah, I, I thought the two of them for the for the first game, especially in a way tie in Europe, which can be quite tricky. I thought the two of them uh, showed up well. David, the, the game coming up this week, you know, we've got the chance to progress to the next round. Are you optimi- optimistic that we'll, we'll get through the tie, that we'll negotiate the home game and, and get through? Oh, I think we've got to be, Colin. Um, so we've mentioned that that's, that's five, uh, five games we've played i have scored 12 goals and I've not conceded any. So I, I'm quite enthused by, by the, the level of progression week on week. Um, if we continue that into, the, into Thursday night's game, I think we've got to be positive. Um, a, a guy that I, I, I neglected to mention uh, from last Thursday night's performance, I think Ovi Ajaria, I thought he was, was quite handy. He's, he's, he's obviously, he's not, uh, he's not frightened to take the ball. Um, he's back to the to the opposition's goal and try and turn and spin. And that, that's, that's something I've uh, I've made mention of as lacking, certainly last season. Um, yeah, again, today, he, he tried to make things happen today. And, I, and I'd like to think that if, if he manages to get a goal or two under his belt, I'd like to see his confidence. I'd like to think that his confidence will rise. So, yeah, getting into to Thursday night's return leg, um, aye, I... I how we approach it, if we approach it with the right uh, mindset um, and we, you know, we go right from the first whistle and, and start as we mean to go on, then I think we've got enough to, to take care of Aussie Yike. Aussie Yike are, are a decent team. They pose a danger. Um, there was a couple of moments in the, in the game last Thursday where we were kind of... I mean, <laughs> saying that we rode our luck maybe a bit unfair in Rangers, but, you know... Um, I think I think we make our own luck. We, we, we at least attempted to to go in and win the ball. I think the manager said today uh, after the, the match that um, he's still a wee bit concerned about um, attentiveness in terms of getting the first contact on balls and in terms of set pieces or coming into the box. So we weren't you know too lacking in that the other night, but there was times where you know, we weren't maybe nearly clearing the ball quite as, as tidily as we might. So if we can can work in that and training in the lead up to the to Thursday night's game and we, 
they pose more of a threat going forward. And Alfie's, you know, I hope he's, he's not injured as, uh, as, as a result of today's match that he starts. Then I think we've got to be positive, Colin. I would agree with that, absolutely. I, I think we're having a really good chance. And who knows? Pete, if they do get through, obviously it looks like we'll, we'll get Maribor. They're, they're nil-nil in their tie at the moment and they're playing at home against a team that I'm not even going to try and pronounce. <laughs> it's a shocker of a name. Uh, but it looks like they'll go through. So obviously we've got history with Maribor and uh, that they, they knocked us out in, in 2011. If we get through, what do you think our chances are in negotiating the next round? I actually think that this team we're playing now are better, will probably be better than Maribor. I'm not, I'm, yeah, I, I think we've got a good chance against Maribor. I don't think it's any worse. I think we maybe get more more chance of getting out on Thursday than we have uh, getting out against Maribor, to be honest with you. Even although we are a goal up, uh, as, as Gerard said, it's only half time. And uh, Ozayek, they're, uh, they're actually pretty famous for, for winning away from home. So I don't think that leg's finished yet. So to go into Maribor, I actually think it might be an easier game than we've got now. And I just hope that we can push through on Thursday and get the result there. I think that's the one we've got to worry about first. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, we've got to get the job done on Thursday before we can even consider, you know, who we're going to get next. But it's starting to feel, I mean, at the start of this, this sort of campaign, you know, the... The knockout stages seemed just a wee bit too far for me. I just I, I didn't really think that we had a chance of making it. But if we get through on Thursday, it starts to look like you know we're in with a fair a, a fair shout, which uh, would be if, if Gerard could achieve that in, in these first few weeks, uh, you know, of the season, and I think that'd be an, an absolutely fantastic start, no doubt about it. Right, moving on to the game this Sunday against Aberdeen, the opening uh, game of the league campaign, the, the 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 start for 55 and all that kind of stuff. Now, personally, I'd, I I had a feeling that we would either be at Easter Road or Pataudry for the opening game in the season, and sure enough, we're at Pataudry, and then two weeks later, we're at uh, Celtic Park, or two games later, sorry. So, a, a right difficult start to the season. David, Pataudry, Traditionally, it's quite a hard place to go. How do you think we'll get on up there in the first first game of the season? Well, a wee bit difficult to see right at this setting, Colin. Um, obviously, you know, a bit's going to hinge on Thursday night. If we if we, get, if we progress to the third qualifying round on Thursday night, then I think we'll go into, we'll go up the roads to Petodre on a relative high. Um, I reckon it will put down a marker. It'll, it'll let the it'll let the the new players see what Scottish football is all about. Obviously, it's a hostile environment to go into. I don't think it's quite as hostile as it was many years ago, but it's still, nevertheless, it's still a big game in Scottish football. So the new guys will see what it's all about. Derek McInnes, all of his players fired up. He'll have the team organised. They're obviously playing the return leg of the Burnley tie. And by all accounts, they gave a good account of themselves on Thursday night against Burnley. And if, if, if they did a shooting boots on in the first half, could have possibly scored more goals. So Aberdeen will be a threat, as they always are. But as Stevie keeps on saying, it's all about us and how we impose ourselves in the game. If we go into the game with the right mentality, we start from the first whistle, we're organised, we're hard to beat, uh, and we give ourselves a platform and hopefully we, 
got a shooting boots on and we can create chances and, and get some goals, then uh, I don't see any reason why we can't come away from Petodre with a positive result on Sunday. Pete, obviously, I mean, I, I don't know how you feel about it, but for me, it brings back sort of memories. The whole thing about Stephen Gerrard coming to the Angels is sort of... It, it, Makes me think of the time in Sunis and I. It feels kind of similar. Obviously, we're not signing the same level of player. You know, we're not going out and signing cap- the captain of England and all that. But there is a similar feeling. And I always remember Alan McCoy saying when when Rangers turned up at Easter Road for the opening game against Hibs in that in that campaign that he'd never seen a team so fired up against Rangers. You know, obviously Sunis arriving and bringing all the big money players in had sparked something in these Hibs players and, and they actually won the game that day. They beat us 2-1. So, you know, part of me thinks we might face something similar on Sunday. If, if that's the case, how, how how should we approach it? Should we go for gung-ho and go for the win and just go pure attacking or should we maybe sit in a wee bit and, and try and get them on the counter? No, I think we should, uh, well, I don't think we should go gung-ho, but I think, I think Rangers and every team would make possibly out with Celtic should dominate the game. Uh, Set Aberdeen haven't really. Uh, they've added three players to their to their te- uh, to their pool. And if I get sorry for the, the paper noise, uh, it's Thomas Cherney, Stephen Gleeson, and Tommy Coburn or something like that. And yeah, I, I don't see they've they've lost uh, Adam Rooney, who I thought was probably one of their best forwards. So I, I don't really see them having strengthened that much. And, well, if you look at the difference between Rangers now and Rangers last year when Pedro was in, and we beat them three times last year and drew once when they dived to get, when McLean dived to get a penalty. Uh, so we should have really beat them that day as well. Uh, I'd, I'd, Rangers should just dominate the game, and I'd, 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 I really don't see us having a difficult day, to be honest. I mean, I agree in terms of uh, recently. There's, there's no doubt that Pitodre has been not as hostile and seemed to have done quite well, as you said. Pedro got a few results up there, so so did Murty. But I just wonder if if Gerard's arrival will reignite something in the in the Aberdeen support in terms of the atmosphere and the players being up for it. I I, th- I think we could have a. a proper tricky game on Sunday you know I, I think they really need to be at it I think it'll be a big test for us hopefully one will pass because defensively we've looked, we've looked solid but I think it could be a a real tricky game for us on Sunday and if we get a win up there I would, I would be absolutely delighted yeah, they'll probably just have the dumper have been dumped out of Europe so <laughs> that'll, that'll no. knock them that might knock them aye, back that, a peg or two that could knock the stuffing out of them a wee bit aye. Aye, that would be good I suppose David I mean, how important is it? Obviously, we've got quite a tricky start to the season, as I said earlier on. We start at Pitodre, and then we're up to, then we're across the road to the shower at Celtic Park at the beginning of September. How important is it that that Rangers sort of set down a marker and put out a message that that this team's going to be a, a different beast from the one for the last two, three seasons? It's vitally important, Colin. Um Obviously, as you've made mention of there, Petodri could potentially be a tricky fixture. I hear we are coming from with regards to you know the, the kind of harking back to the Sunnis era, but you also made mention of the fact that there's, there's not really any you know big stars have been brought in. 
Um, so, I, I, th I think it's all for the, pl the players to do. You know, the, the, the manager keeps banging on about being aggressive in and out of possession. He, he mentions that constantly. And if we can do that, then we're going to have a better than a 50-50 chance of imposing ourselves in the game. And if we can do that at Pitodre, then uh, obviously the following week is our first home game of the season against St. Byrne. And then we go to Fir Park before we go to, go to Parkhead. So if we can do that in the first four games, and if we can amass, let's say, before we go to, go to Parkhead, out of the nine points, let's say no worse than eight points from those uh, three games. Um, preferably, you know, maximum points. I think that'll will go a, a long way to determining, you know, how the season, certainly in the first round of fixtures, how we, we seem to go. If, if we can go into Parkhead without dropping too many points, I don't I don't see that we that we will drop too many points. I think that there's a there's just a different mindset, there's a different feel. Um, yes, there, there's still the odd glitch there, but we're a work in progress. Um, we've brought in some decent players. None are, are, are world beaters and superstars, although Kula Valley might go on to be one and later on in his career. Um, but uh, if, if we can, if, if we're in the hunt, Granny Parkhead, and we can, you know, as I say, improve game on game uh, and go to Parkhead and give a good account of ourselves and not, not be humbled or, or, you know, just, just, Give them something to think about. I think that there's enough in what we've seen so far that once we get into the, the league campaign proper, by the time we get to first part, I think that some of the players they'll, they'll have an idea of what the environment's like, what um, how how quickly you're closed down in Scotland, what the, the standard of refereeing is going to be like. Because uh, I think that you know some of the players may well be targeted. Kulabali being one of them. Um, so. It's a big learning learning curve, and it may well work in our favour that we've got two difficult games. And, well, they're all going to be difficult games. I, I don't mean to be disrespectful to St. and Motherwell, but you know, obviously Aberdeen and uh, Celtic are the two currently the best two teams in the country. So it could be a, it could be a blessing of these guys going away to these to their places to to test their metal, if you like, uh, and. Hopefully, we're up for the, the fight. I think the big issue for me is the fact that both those games are away from home. You know, Celtic are obviously the, the champions at the moment. Aberdeen have, have, have pipped us to second place for the last two years. To get those two two games so early in the season away from home, I think it's, I think it's going to be a tricky few weeks, I must admit. But hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully we go there and, and, and do something. Pete? In, in terms of the game on, on Sunday and then, obviously we play Celtic three weeks later. Is there a danger that we could, you know, after three, four weeks, be already maybe four or five points, you know, off the pace, you know, and, and all of a sudden, Gerard will be, because there's plenty in the media. Uh, I mean, I think Graham Spears has been quoted as saying that Stephen Gerrard looks terrified. So it's obvious that there's certain people out there waiting for this, this thing to fail, waiting for Gerrard to fall flat in his face. So after three games, if you know, say we get a drop to Tawdry and we lose at Celtic Park, and we're maybe five six points off the pace, is, is there a danger that that could then have a real negative negative impact on how we go for the rest of the season? Well, I don't think I would put anything in what Graham Spears is, is saying anyway about Rangers. Uh, 
uh, let's face it, he's bottom of the league when it comes to that uh, type of thing. The the one thing about the Aberdeen game, which not not been mentioned yet, is Koulibaly against Winnie or Shinny, sorry, against Shinny. That that could be quite a hot battle when they meet together in the in the heavy tackling midfield. Uh, to go on to your, I, I, I can't see has been. I don't think Hibs have done that much, and I I just think Rangers have improved so much. I mean, it could be draws, but I mean, let's face it, these these other teams are playing other teams as well. So it's not just whether they beat us or whether we beat them. It's it's what they do against other teams. What what are Celtic going to do? Celtic are not. I mean, they were absolutely terrible last year. Really, we, it was just that we were sort of a worse at the end up. We sort of, we, we sort of collapsed after the 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 three two game at Ibrox. But if we'd have won that game, then it might have been the league might have been completely different. So I, I really don't think we're going to be nine points behind. And and what the the media say, I mean, the media are against Rangers anyway. So apart from one or two journalists, so I, I wouldn't put much into what they're going to say. And as you say, they're all hoping and praying because it gives them it gives them room for another to write more about Rangers and big bad Rangers and how. Uh, Jerry's been brought in and he's failing and uh, yeah, they are sitting waiting for that. But the only way to, to prove them wrong is to beat these teams on the field. And I think we'll do that. So there you are. So you think we'll win on Sunday, Pete? I'll go for 3-0. 3-0? Confident. David, what about you? Score prediction for Sunday? I'll go 2-1. 2-1 Rangers? 2-1 Rangers. I'll take either of those. Absolutely fantastic. Right, and on to our final topic for tonight. We'll have a wee look at a Celtic statement last week on the ticket allocation for the Old Firm game. And also, it was announced that Rangers were going to have a fan zone at the 3G pitch across the road from the main stand at Ibrox. And Glasgow City Council have objected to that. So we'll have a wee discussion about these things, guys. Uh, Firstly, I'll have a wee look at Celtic's statement, which makes for interesting reading. Uh, It reads, Celtic Football Club has confirmed that it will issue approximately 800 tickets to visiting supporters for the fixture against Rangers at Celtic Park on September 2nd. This mirrors a decision announced recently by Rangers. This is not a development we welcome, and it is unfortunate that the initial decision came without any form of discussion. The previous arrangements worked well for both sets of supporters, as well as contributing to the, the, the status of the fixture as a sporting occasion. Following the unilateral action by Rangers, we cannot allow our supporters to be doubly penalised by having access to the way fixture reduced so dramatically while not being offered the opportunity to maximise our own support at Celtic Park. And they then go on to talk about the the SPF rules, reasonable provision, blah, blah, blah. Now, the thing I took out of this statement, I'll come to you first, David. You know, for a club that has, you know gone out their way to sort of mock Rangers and sort of distance themselves from the old firm thing. You know, they will not use the term old firm, sorry. It's Glasgow Derby now. I'm reliably informed that when Rangers are at Celtic Park, they don't even announce their name. You know, it's your your opposition today. So there is a a real sort of, there's been a real, almost sort of an an aggressive tone from, from Celtic as a club in terms of this fixture. But when it comes to their supporters, all of a sudden they're talking about that, that, that contributes to the status of the fixture. Now, to me, that just reeks of you know double standards and they're contradicting themselves a wee bit. Uh, another thing I find interesting is the timing. I mean, Rangers announced this a few weeks ago. So 
why do you think they've waited until now to make a comment? I, I found it a bit odd that they commented last week. The timing, you need to ask uh, Peter Lowell with regards to the timing. I, I think that there's, um, there's, the statement was, was pompous. Um, you know, it's, aye, it, it's, it's typical of Celtic these days, Colm. Um, as you say, I mean, the, the, the hypocrisy, they, they don't um, acknowledge Rangers because they pander to their support and some of their, their shareholders. Uh, and yet, you know, they, they, they're starting to, to crib about um, a reduction in the in the, the sporting occasion because of a lack of Celtic fans there. It's probably, it, reading between the lines, I would imagine that they... Their noses are out of joint because they want to be, they want to glow. Um, presumably, they, they, they feel confident that they're just going to, um, they're just going to continue to, to humble Rangers, whether it's at Parkhead or whether it's at Ibrox, and uh, they, you know, they're going to revel in, in rubbing their noses in it publicly um, with their supporters at their place. So, um, I, it's it's difficult not to. Um, not to, to 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 find fault with, with how they're coming across, but there's all stuff about you know unilateral decisions and whatnot. The, 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 the it's just it's usually it's, it's double standards on Celtic's part, and um, I'd, I'd like to, to hear what the reaction is if, if we go to that their place and and, uh, and beat them and hear what they've got to say. And I bet you old firms mentioned. Shortly thereafter, uh, it wouldn't surprise me. They'll probably, they'll probably blame the length of the grass, David, if we beat them. You know what I mean? There'll be something stupid like that. Probably <laughs> 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 right there. Pete, uh, now, I, I, personally, I, I, I felt for the last sort of three or four fixtures at Ibrox that you know their support has has has, has really ripped the arse out a wee bit. Excuse my language, but you know you had the the issues with the pyro. There was a couple of pyro thrown into the home supporters you have this issue with them every time the ball goes out and they're winning it never comes back and then when they get a replacement ball sure enough they they, they, they chuck on the original ball and I, I just think for a while now that they've I mean if they're winning fair enough if they've, they've got a right to celebrate I'm not going to take that away from them but there has been a feeling for a while now that it's just been way over the top and I felt something had to happen although I was a wee bit surprised at the action that Rangers did take. Now, given it was obvious that Celtic would r- respond, you know, that they would drastically reduce our allocation for Celtic Park, do you think it was the right call by Rangers to, to cut the allocation? Well, I was at the the the, the last game when the, the f- firework or bomb or whatever it was was, was dropped. I was actually quite near it. And, yeah, you you just, you, I was, you, get, you do get frightened when things like that happened. I mean, it, it hits your ears. So I, I don't know what light, the, as I say, I was, I think, about 10 yards away from it. And God knows what the young guy that was standing next to it, how, what his ears were like. But um, I think you, you're talking about the when they brought the statement out. Their original statement was that they, they were just going to copy Rangers and we would only get 100 tickets. Do you really think if Lywell, I'm going to call him Lywell, do you really think if he had sold all these season tickets for that area that he would be bothered now. 
they just they, they 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 can't sell the tickets, and that's what's up. Because if he'd have sold tickets to Celtic fans, he would have been quite happy. He's obviously not. He's original. When when we were away down to to the league League Four, he was saying it was costing t- Celtic ten million per year, and that's what it's, it's he's only worried about the money that's coming into his coffers, and that's why the statement's coming out now. Funnily enough, he's calling in the SPFL to make a decision at the moment that he's been called on to the SPFL board. So whether he's going to try and influence that from his position, then uh, that's that's probably a lot to do with his timing. Yeah, I, would, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. But to go back to my original question, do, do you think Rangers got it right? Personally, um, for Rangers supporters, I think it is. Because, uh, yeah, I think it'd be safer. Plus the fact, I think, yeah, it's terrible Rangers supporters getting pulled out of their seat when they come. For the atmosphere, I think that the old firm was one of the greatest games because there was full stands of the other supporters. So I think the atmosphere will be hit by it. But I think for safety issues, and things were getting, I mean, if you take about the effigies that were, were uh, put over the stand at, at Parkhead, with, with the Rangers uh, with getting hung and uh, the orange person getting hung with dolls, then uh, things were actually moving on to a new level. And I think that is a reason that they have to call it and Rangers made a good decision that way. I would agree with you there, Pete. I, I do think there has been a, a spike and the sort of hatred that these fixtures, and it's mostly coming, obviously I'm biased, but it, it appears to me it's mostly coming from certainly the Green Brigade. I mean, those effigies, in these circumstances, what I always do is, is re- reverse the roles. And if that had happened at Ibrox, then it would have been, you know, that would have been front page news, and your usual suspects within the media would have been, would have been calling for Ibrox to be shut down, I think. David... I mean, I'm quite sad that, that, in a certain way, that this has happened. I mean, I don't, I don't go to a great amount of away games. I've, I've got my season ticket, and, and it's mostly the home games I go. But there are fans out there that go week in, week out, travel up and down the country, and obviously now, six thousand of these fans are, are not going to get tickets for the away fixture at Celtic Park. <sighs> Is this whole thing unnecessary? Could it could it have been handled a bit differently? That's a difficult one, Colin. I think that the the, the, the landscape has changed irrevocably. The, there's no there's no balance of power within Scottish football. It's obviously it's, it's weighted on one side, and I think you're right. I think there's there's definitely been a spike in uh, the levels of venom uh, and, and, and the bilious nature of the of the, the fixture. Um, I think it's a potential powder keg. Uh, whether it's unnecessary or not, I think it's just, it's, the landscape's changed, Colin. It's just, it's, we live in a different world. We live in a different Scotland. There's a, a well, certainly you and I would, would be a testament to, um, obviously, Pete's in, in Germany, but I, I, I don't know. Is the whole thing unnecessary? I would like it, in, in an ideal world, I, I would like it to be, you know, the way it was 20 years ago. And people might point the finger at me and say, well, you know, Politically correct people would say, well, the, you know, the fixture is, you know, we're getting back the way, and but there's still the same uh, religious aspect to the game. There's still the same 
hatred on both sides of the the park. Uh, now you could say, well, it's you no, know, it's it's ninety minute hatred, and it, it all dissipates after the final whistle and all. I mean, that probably is the case to, to a far greater degree than it's ever been. Um, but something, something in the back of my mind just says, you know, there's, there's the potential for it all to kick off. At the end of the day, it's still, it's still Rangers against Celtic, and you know the, the reasons for the hatred are still they're still like tenfold now in, in the later, you know, what's happened to us in the last six years. So, um, and that's before you even factor in the, the kind of stuff that uh, there may well be other reasons behind it. Pete made mention you know the safety aspect, and obviously David Murray, he he banned them completely from from Ibrox. Uh, that game in the 90s, which unfortunately we lost, it kind of backfired. And the atmosphere did suffer that day, I can remember. Um, but as a spectacle, aye, it'd be greater if we had uh, if we'd both sets of fans. Ideally, Ibrooks would be bigger and we'd obviously would have far more of us. Well, obviously we do. But, um, aye, if, if, they had, if they had their fans and, and we were winning, then aye, it'd be a far greater spectacle. But... Uh, we'll, we'll, need to, we'll need to wait and see how it all pans out. We can't say, though, that things never happened in the past. I mean, the last game I went to before I moved to Germany was the 1980 Cup final with the police horses charging both sets of fans. And so, I mean, things did happen then. It's not as if, the, in fact, maybe even been worse back then. But it, it just seems to be that there wasn't the same hatred uh, out with. The, the game, you know, the, the, in the papers and and guys going to work and guys getting on a bus that seem to get, get, get done in just because they're wearing a Ranger scarf or a, or a Celtic scarf, it's possible the other way about as well. But um, the, the hate just seems to be a lot more. But as I say, 1980 Cup final, uh, that, was, that was really shocking. And I stood in that and I remember the worst thing for me was the bottles coming down in my head that uh, was, was thrown from the back. So thankfully that, you can't get bottles anymore into the ground. But um, things did happen then. So it's, it's not that things didn't happen then. No, I would never have suggested that that was the case, Pete. But I think back then, the clubs had a wee bit more respect for one another. I think the fans are always going to, there's always going to be a partisan element to the, to the, the rivalry. And you're you're always going to get the songs and all the rest of it. I do think. A, sorry, Colin. That is a big thing that 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 I would say. The clubs seem to be uh, nose to nose, growling at each other, and that wasn't in the past. I, and 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 I think it's it's been it's been led by Celtic. If I'm being honest, I think. I think they feel they have leverage on the EBT stuff, and they they're claiming that they've been denied titles and all the rest of it. And that is allowing them to, to adopt this sort of aggressive stance. That said, you know, they'd been the old firm thing before 2012. You know, if you had a wee look at the Celtic View and all the rest of it, and Tony Hamilton, I think, was the editor at the time, he was very vocal about there was no such thing as the old firm. They didn't want any connection with us. So I think it, I think it comes down to Peter Law, essentially. I think this is his agenda, uh, and, and he's, he's pushing it. And you could argue maybe it's worked because, you know, they're, they're, they're on a run in terms of winning trophies and the supporters all love them again. But to come out with a statement that, you know, reducing the ticket allocation affects the, the, the status of the fixture, when all they've done has over the last five or six years has 
you know, he trashed the status of that fixture and say, well, there is no old firm. You know, it's a Glasgow derby and th- there's no special rivalry between us. I think that reeks of, of, of double standards, if I'm being, if I'm being honest. Hey, we'll move on a wee bit, guys. The club had announced that they were going to have a, a fan zone. Now, the fan zones have been in the, the car park next to the, the old Emerson House building for the last season. It's just basically a car park where we stage and all the rest of it. The last month, the, the club announced that it would allow 2,000 fans onto the 3G pitch across the road from the main stand before the game against St. Mirren on August 11th. And Rangers had secured a license to sell alcohol during the event. However, community council bosses have raised an objection against it, saying it will stop kids playing at the football centre. Now, Stephen Dornan seems to be the main guy behind this. And uh, I think we can say safely that he's not a, not a friend of Rangers. His quote, the community council took a vote and they decided to retain the, their opposition to the fan zone. The number of people who would be admitted to entry the St. game would be 2,500. But Rangers have uh, suggested that that would be increased to about 7,000 eventually. Donald then goes on to say, my concern is these matches are controlled by the likes of Sky Sports. If you look at the football schedules, the pitch would never be available for kids football ever again. This is laughable stuff. Uh, Rangers should be investing in youth football in the area. They shouldn't be trying to replace it with burgers and booze. Uh, a Glasgow Life spokesman confirmed that, yeah, that until the objection is raised, the fan zone would not take place. Pete, I'll come back to you on this. What's your decision? Uh, sorry, what's your thoughts on the the, the decision by the councillors to object to this? Because personally speaking, I, I, I think it seems... Like madness. I don't think it's. I think it's been set up just to put another pole in Rangers' way to to stop earning a, 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 a get a money earner. Um, yeah, the name Dorn Dorn and that sort of a springs out right away, doesn't it? With the with the SMP, but um, I might be wrong, but I believe that James Dorn's his dad. But I may be wrong in that. I was doing a wee bit of research today. Okay, I looked it up. I didn't know whether he was uh, whether he was uh, related to him or not. But um, I think any time I've—I mean, obviously I don't get to Ibrooks that much, but I, I don't think I've ever seen kids playing in that 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 park when when the game's been on. Any time I've walked past it. Well, actually, Pete, you've got you've got a very a very valid point there because more than one person tweeted today you know, photographs from that pitch and there was no one on it. Absolutely not a soul on it. So I'd, I'd, you're right. Anytime I've been there, I've, I've never seen a huge amount of people on it. The thing that Rangers could come back with is that, I mean, I mean Rangers, Rangers, I know during the summer holidays at schools and things like that, I know Rangers do have coaches that go around schools or, or, or onto pitches and actually coach uh, young kids so I mean, his, his whole the, the whole thing is not about uh, the community being damaged in any way. The whole thing is about stopping Rangers getting a a way to earn money. But I think that I think Rangers. I don't think the the long term thing was to use that pitch. I think I think Rangers are going to move that some to, to other parts of the ground for that seven thousand. I mean, obviously you can't get seven thousand onto that wee park. But I think the whole thing is to, to have things going on all about all round Ibrox. So I mean, maybe losing the the, the pitch, it might not be 
in the long term, it might not have been a long term plan, but just a short term plan. David, Pete's quite frank there in saying that, you know, there's an agenda behind us. Uh, and that's certainly, from the stuff that I've seen on Twitter and stuff like that, that certainly seems to be the, the, the main feeling from Rangers supporters that, you know, this isn't just a simple decision made for the benefit of kids' football. It's a decision made by a Celtic supporter to try and curb Rangers in attempts to, to raise match day revenue. Are Rangers fans right to think that there's a political agenda behind this decision? I I don't think that I don't think they're wrong to to think the the way that the support is collectively thinking. Um, but it's, it's, with regards to agendas, obviously there's there's, um, there's a plan to to implement uh, parking restrictions close to Ibrox, which is uh, is met with some um, some anger from the, the supporters. Um, whether that's replicated in the the environment. The environs around about uh, Celtic Park. Um, I'm not too sure on that, but aye, it's it's easy to draw conclusions. I mean, obviously, the, the Stephen Dornan's an SNP councillor. He's got previous. I'm not too sure whether he is James Dornan's son or not, but I'll, I'll defer to your uh, greater knowledge in that score, Colin. But aye, the, the, it just seems it seems petty. Um, the way I come into the game, I, I, I come from the, the south side, so I, I come uh, over the motorway um, past the, the Tradeston Ex Services Club. Um, whereas I used to come from the west side, I used to walk down uh, Shield Hill Road and Edmiston Drive, and I've never seen uh, kids playing on. I've seen I've seen games uh, being played on the, the pitch, uh, albeit it was it was kind of um, it was men's football. Uh, so, I think the I think the, the, the citing you know the, the Rangers are, are blocking kids' football is is contentious at best on their part. But if it means that they, you know we we get our acts together and, and we, we develop our own facilities with regards to the fan zone, then it may well as you allude to it may it may well be a, a blessing in disguise. But I I think I wouldn't put anything. Past Glasgow City Council, where Rangers uh, and an agenda against Rangers are concerned, I just I, all you need to do is just walk up around the Celtic Park and um, it's arena to see the amount of investment and, and public money that's been into uh, the surrounding areas around about their place. Pete David uh, gives us an example there, you know, that because they, they have had a lot of investment, and there's there's obviously the issue around certain property deals, and Celtic were allowed to demolish a, a, a listed building, the old school that used to be outside Celtic Park. So are we, are we looking at, when it comes to Glasgow City Council, are we looking at, you know, it's all right for one, but it's not all right for the other? Is there an imbalance in how the two clubs are being treated? Well, I would think so. Um, obviously, the Commonwealth Games. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not a, a, a great expert on Glasgow politics, obviously because I live in Germany. But uh, obviously, the Commonwealth Games, where the whole area around about Parkhead was refurbished and all the land deals and I, I believe that the, the Celtic are now actually going to have to pay back the co-op for uh, for a loan that they got so that's going to be hitting uh, hitting them soon I just I just I wonder and, and it's always be even when I when I was lived in Scotland it, it was sort of a Glasgow council was sort of a leaning towards Celtic let's put it that way David final question I just wondered the Rangers need to stand up to this. Of course they do. 
course they do. It's, it's how they go about it. The, 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 I appreciate it. It's a very precarious situation that they find themselves in. There's obviously there's a way of media opinion that you know Rangers are bad, Celtic are good. You know, Celtic are victims. Celtic are put upon, and they're uh, you know they, they 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 fight their way out, and you know they they come out and talk because they've got the moral high ground, if you like. Well, that, that's how it could be um, interpreted uh, by a lot of Rangers supporters and, and just you know general um, general members of the public. The club definitely need to stand up to Colin. It's just how they go about it. They don't see, they don't seem to have any um, allies within public life, and certainly certainly the Glasgow sphere. Um, it doesn't seem to be a heck of a lot's changed uh, since the SNP assumed control of the council. Although that's you know what we get to to read about publicly. Now, obviously, there's, there's some range of supporters. Uh, thankfully, don't let the grass go under their feet, and they do a bit of investigating to see what's going on behind the scenes and. and and that's coming to light more readily now than it's ever done before in the past. So the fact that we are talking about about certain things like land deals um, at Celtic Park and the, the district value are valuing land uh, somewhat below market value and and all that kind of stuff, state aid, all these allegations and whatnot, it's, it's all it's all coming to light now, especially on the back of um, uh, freedom of information and things like that. So. I mean, do we go, you know, all guns blazing and, and, and take a very public standpoint, or do we do our, uh, do we do our fighting behind the scenes? I, I dare say that, that you know, that the, the guys that, that work for the club are obviously, they must be in contact with Glasgow City Council on a, a regular basis. Um, and it may well be that, you know, that they're up against a, a, a fight, an uphill battle. And they just don't seem to be getting anywhere. I think. See what this. This may sound a, a tad ludicrous here, but see if we start winning, and we win trophies and we win the title. More, more importantly, if we, if we start winning the title again, all this stuff. Um, Rangers have, have got a greater strength in, in their hand when it comes to to, to pointing that stuff out. Um, it's a one-way street in terms of the the, the kind of media perception of both clubs, and it's weighted favourably. And Celtic's favour. All you need to do is look at you know the BBC output from Pacific Key to know that we are um, we're up against that. Uh, and I just hope that the, the the club senior employees are doing everything within their power to exercise as much control and leverage over people who would you know naturally uh, favour the other ticket over us. Um, all you need to do is, is look back to the to the, the fallout with regards to um, uh, Angela Haggerty at the at the Herald and, and Graham Spears, where pressure was brought to bear by a Rangers director, who I'll no name, but I think you know you really need to be a genius to work out who it was with regards to advertising revenue for that newspaper and, and how um, that power can be wielded in a positive fashion. And I'd like to think that you know our board of directors are uh, are working. Uh, tirelessly to, to, to redress the balance and, and at least have some uh, equity of esteem and par- sorry and parity of esteem, you know, within um, how we, we are treated. Uh, 
with regards to you know any kind of public um, developments around about iBooks and and, and what have you. you know, especially maybe you know, the likes of reopening the, the iBooks railway station, which was mentioned uh, quite recently. So we'll, we'll need to see how that goes, but we definitely need to um, take the fight to whoever's um, doing wrong against us. Right, quickly moving on uh, to the Safeco of the Week. I think there's only one winner this week, so I won't even take it to the guys. We're all having a good laugh uh, before we came on air about the guy, the Celtic fan who drove eight hours to Croatia to watch a Rangers game in Europe to support Ozijek and display a banner that says, you're not Rangers anymore, only to have said banner taken off him. So, big thumbs up to that guy. <laughs> he certainly made my week, I must admit. Uh, although I did notice there was a there was an Irish tricolor in the crowd and a a flag for the Vatican City, so aye, aye, you've got to wonder about them. You really do. Anyway, that's 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 it for another week of the Jersnet podcast. A big thanks to Pete and David for their contributions. Much appreciated. Good chat as always. Thanks to our audio engineer Graham. As always, he'll turn it into something wonderful. Uh, I think Ross, we don't have the full details yet for next week's show, but um, under the impression that Ross will be presenting and he'll have another couple of guests on. So look out for that. Also look out for our friends over at We Welcome the Chase. Uh, great podcast there. Some good stuff going on. Check it out. In the meantime, get yourself over to the Jersnet website and the forums there at www.jersnet.co.uk. Lots of good chat. Lots of good articles, lots of good people. Get on there and, and have some fun. Ross is hosting next week. So until the next time, I'll see you then. <laughs>